Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hello and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the face of motherhood, this is Margaret. And today I am talking to Dr. Tish Taylor. Dr. Taylor is a licensed psychologist with a private practice in the greater Kansas City area, specializing in clinical assessment and the mental health treatment of children and teens. She is also a licensed school psychologist and an adjunct professor teaching child development. She is the author of Parenting ADHD with Wisdom and Grace. And today we are going to be talking about her new book, Fostering Connection. Welcome, Dr. Taylor. Thank you, Margaret. Let's start with the idea of connection. We understand fundamentally the theme of connection, that we want connection with our children, that hopefully our children want connection with us. What drew you to write a book and explore this theme of connection? Well, I think it was seeing so many children and teens and families over the years when they come to me, there's obviously, you know, some bigger stress point, some bigger struggle, some bigger challenging challenge that they're having. And seeing so many over time, I was, you know, I try very hard to work to help children, teens, and their parents and families stay connected, maintain healthy relationships. And even in the face of some challenges like behavior disorders, how do you still maintain connection while there is that stress and strain going on? And in the book, you use characters to illustrate things like mindset, mood. What's the advantage of that presentation? Well, I really think we're very visual. As humans, I think we're very visual. And I found myself trying to teach concepts to children so they could understand it. And, you know, I thought if I had a visual tool to say, here, this is what this is, and I could teach the concept with a picture, and then the picture could be immediately remembered or recalled or associated with that concept, such as, you know, deflection, um, that psychological term deflection. If I had a picture and a visual that, you know, made sense to a kid and even adults, that that would be an easier connection. I also found it, I know when I talk to my kids. Sometimes I have tweens. Connection is definitely an ongoing issue in our house that we get into a lot of kind of language and almost arguing about the language. Like, you're talking to me rudely. I'm not saying anything rudely. Like the language around how we're talking and what's happening between us sometimes disconnects us. Does that make sense? Like, we're busy talking about like, Exactly. Like, well, you're, you know, being 
passive aggressive. What's that? That's not me, you know? And does it help to kind of externalize some of these terms and be able to break them down without saying you are this thing? Oh, for sure. So that's the other thing I really found when I would talk at working with children and teens and so, and I'm not even their parent. So, you know, it's even less conflictual. Yes. But when in talking to them, if I could make it more external, they seem to accept it a lot easier or listen a lot easier, be willing to listen and understand because it didn't feel so confrontational. Yes. And also building on what you just said, that's the other reason why I have two sets of characters. So one is the disconnectors, one is the connectors. So, you know, instead of arguing over a disconnector, like, oh, this is the behavior, we could talk about, well, we're, we are striving for this, you know, so I can also easily and quickly shift it over to what we are striving for and forego the argument about what we're seeing. So that's another way to use it. Go through some of the characters for us and for people who haven't read the book, talking through what kind of issues you're trying to highlight for kids and their families. So I'll use some clinical terms. I'll just throw those out there because this may be an easy way to understand and then I'll describe them a little bit more. But first off, if you have a child with ADHD or if you have a child with oppositional defiant disorder or another disruptive behavior disorder, you will recognize these characters in the disconnectors. If you have a preteen and early adolescent, you will recognize some of these characters. I was going to say, you don't have to have a child with a diagnosis to recognize, especially, I would say, if you have a kid over eight, you're going to be nodding your head and say, oh yeah, I've seen that behavior for sure. And so I highlight behaviors that include things like not taking responsibility, which I would call deflector. Like, I didn't do it. He did it. You did it. You should have reminded me. You know, that's deflector. I have a character called just no way. And that's when a child just says, no, I'm not going to do that. Or they just passively. We call that guy Dr. No in our house. (laughs) Yeah. Or passively, you know, refusing to do something, right? Like, I hear you, but I'm just going to ignore you and not do it and not do it. Yes. Also, one character that I use just call fighter. And so that's whenever a person shows up like argumentative, you know, or starting something with their sibling, you know, or maybe there actually is a, an altercation, but at least certainly our argumentativeness or being confrontational. And where did you see, because we talked about kids who have specific diagnoses, It seems to me, as young children, we have kind of a natural connection, whether it's just feeding and hugging and holding our children. At what point do you see, is there an age, because it's not just diagnoses, right? It's not just, oh, there is a very specific problem that enters. This problem of disconnection can happen and does happen in any parent-child relationship. Is there an age where this starts to happen? Is there an inciting incident that causes disconnection? What do you see as the barriers to connection? Okay, so in typical development, in typical development, you know, in preschool years, you can get more pushback from children because they're establishing themselves. And this happens into tween years and early adolescence too. There's definitely in that developmental stage, they're establishing themselves more. They're taking They're becoming more willful and having their own thoughts and ideas and what they want to do. But I think especially in typical development, tween years, early adolescence, those are typically more challenging in terms of connection. And then on into adolescence, 
you know, it's a natural break to want to be more with your friends, of course. And the whole social media technology piece we have going on is adding another flavor to that. So I personally, because it's so easy for teenagers to stay on their phone or device and go to their room and not talk, or even in a car, right? We used to be able to talk so easily in the car, but now a device can be in between you. So, you know, I see that as a whole nother flavor or layer, if you will, but definitely early teen, early teen years for sure. And into adolescence. But if there's another stress or strain on the family, you know, some other, you know, challenges happen and the parents are struggling or stressed, that can also bring disconnection at any time. And one thing that I think is important to highlight is that disconnection or like a cleaving that happens between parent and child is, and you said this, but I want to kind of drill down on it because I think it's important. It is an important phase of raising a child is getting to some degree less connected, right? That you don't, we're carrying around a baby all day and we want our kids to separate from us. So let's talk a little bit about the difference between fly little birdie, like giving your kids, you know, wings and this idea of disconnection that's problematic. I think the more problematic disconnection is when there's ongoing prolonged tension or resentment or anger, like simmering anger. And there's very little positive interaction, even in small doses, right? Like we can join, come together, laugh at something or have a, you know, a good meal together, you know, and when that is few and far between and there's more resentment and potential, you know, simmering conflict, that's when it's more unhealthy. Right. So it's a difference between like, my child and I have maybe 80% of our interactions are positive, and I'm helping with homework, and we're having dinner, or we're all, you know, playing basketball in the yard, or just sitting around doing stuff together. And then there are times when they are slamming upstairs and mad about something, versus a kid who you feel like you really can't reach. Is that kind of the difference that you're talking about? Yes. I think it's if you can't reach them, if it's not a comfortable interaction, if they're little jabs, if they're, you know, the communication ends in frustration or just not a lot of emotion or not a lot of positive emotion. I am talking to Dr. Tish Taylor. She is the author of the new book, Fostering Connection, and we'll be right back. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. 
Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches, I get cranky, and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to saying optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate? Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H dot com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. (laughs) But all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. So in talking about connection, one of the things that I think is interesting is we're just coming off of, I guess it's, you know, three years ago, the pandemic that brought everybody, you know, into this (laughs) forced connection, maybe, you know, this period where we were all home together. And you point out that connection is more than just being in space together. You know, it's not just being at home and being together. It goes kind of deeper than that. But I'm wondering, have you seen, was the pandemic helpful or hurtful in allowing people to connect more with their kids? Interesting. So what I've seen is it depends. They were definitely together more. One thing I saw was parents, when it came to education and schooling, parents got a more distinct bird's eye view of how their child managed academics, how they managed academic tasks. So I I definitely saw that. For sure. It was a total revelation to me. I have three kids, three very different learning styles, and I was I mean, I would have never known it. It's just really interesting. I'm able to support them, I feel like, in a really different way, having seen them 
in class, which was sitting in front of a computer in their bedrooms, but it really, I mean, it was a very revelatory experience. Yes. And so I definitely saw a lot of that. And so some came to me after that saying, oh, I can see what the teacher was talking about, or I don't know that the teacher is seeing this, but I am seeing this. And I mean, I think in a lot of ways, in terms of the connection piece, in a lot of ways, again, if there was generally a healthy attachment and connection, I think that generally persisted, although we did see an increase in anxiety and depression for sure in our children, especially teens. So that happened. Yeah, we have heard that from a lot of people that the isolation actually had some long-term effects that we're still dealing with that maybe we're not always, you know, we tend to be a little bit like, okay, that was then, let's move along. And I think that we have had guests and just heard it from parents that they're dealing with more anxiety and depression in their kids. And I would say the families or the kids where there were some behavior challenges, I mean, those persisted through the pandemic. And then what that allowed for is the parents not getting a break, you know, so dealing with it just constantly, which is a challenge or was a challenge. And being separated from supports too. I mean, I have a kid who had supports at school and those were gone, you know, and having, I think there's a lot of supports, whether it's friends and being outside and doing different things. Suddenly you're all just together I guess I think that it kind of made things better and worse across the board. Like there was more time together, but at the same time, it kind of exacerbated any problems that were lingering, you know? Right. And that's why I said it just depends, right? Like, who are you talking about? What are you talking about? There were pros and cons, but they were more extreme than we typically experience. That's for sure. Let's talk a little bit more about this idea of disconnectors. And I think for a lot of people, disconnection from their kids becomes, it's cumulative, right? Like you start to get disconnected and then you get annoyed and they're annoyed with you and then it gets worse and then it gets worse. And I think that people go from like, wait a minute, I had an eight-year-old who would still sit in my lap and like, you know, we'd watch our show together while we ate cookies to this 12-year-old who I seem to have absolutely nothing in common with, who I don't particularly like, and who really doesn't like me. And how do you begin to tackle that feeling of disconnection? Well, I think you have to go back to what's most important and what you really value. And really, when it comes down to it, almost everyone I know will say, I value my family. I value my friends. I value those relationships. And so I think we have to come back to the basis. That is what I value. And then to, to step back and say, this is a point in time. I have to do it myself, to be really honest as a parent. This is a point in time. There are some natural developmental changes. And how do I shift or be flexible and adapt to that? And again, so I come back to those characters. And hopefully those are some of those basic things that we try and strive for in our relationships in general and over time. So for example, shoes is one connector character. Can I understand how you might feel in this situation? Or two-way street is another one. Can I understand that your opinion might be different than mine or the way you see it is different than mine? And can I try and understand? Can I try and understand that? So I think trying to come back to those fundamental skills and some of our fundamental values. Yeah, because I think this is kind of an ongoing debate that we have on the podcast. I definitely understand the idea of values, 
But I think sometimes as parents, we're like, well, we value a happy home and happiness. And it's like that value feels that's right. That's something I try to value, but it's almost, it's like a goal. It's, there's almost a step before that, that is action. You know, it's like, it's changing behavior versus kind of lofty ideals. Does that make sense? So I think what you're saying is creating a happy home. We're trying to change our behaviors to get as close to that as we can, because nothing's going to be perfect. Well, I think it's the disconnect sometimes between I want a happy home, but myself and my children do not understand the behaviors that lead us to that happiness. That the idea of like happiness or the idea of it's like our goals, if we aren't really clear on how they connect to our behavior, I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes. Like, I want to live in a happy, peaceful home. That is a value of mine. But when my teen slams his door and I run upstairs to take the bay and say, you will not slam a door in my house. And then he's like, you stop yelling at me. Well, I wouldn't yell if you like I'm not valuing my happy home. I am not in a happy home. But sometimes I'm not clear how the dance that I'm doing with my children is making me unhappy. You know, it's getting I think the characters that you create are about saying this is how we're getting to connection, which can, I think, when you are a parent, I have three tweens in the house. It just sometimes feels like I'd rather take a nap. I can't figure it out. It seems like we are so far down a bad road. How do we possibly find our way back to whatever crossroads we lost each other at? I even have these, I use these in little cards. So you probably saw them in the book, but they're also on my website. But you can literally just use the visual right? As a quick reminder, you know how you post things on your refrigerator or maybe you have a little picture on your, on somewhere in your computer or something like that. You can use that as a reminder, I think. But I also think another quick thing, and this is just in the world of psychology. Another quick thing is four to one or five to one. You can think about the ratio. Have I had four or five positive interactions to one negative? And you can quantify it in a very simple way. And so a positive interaction might be, you know, good morning, Mallory you know, I hope you have a great day at school. I would count that as one, right? You're trying to build that bank account. If you've probably heard that term before. Yes. But I think that's a simple way when it comes to connection. Am I feeding the bank account? Because I find myself going, wait, have you done this? Have you done that? I don't think that's done. And it's like, that's not positive. Yes. That's like taskmaster. So absolutely. And I think it is really hard to remember. And especially when you're busy, I'm, I'm directing a play right now. And we'll do a run through and I'm like, you missed your spot, you were supposed to cross there you this. And I got feedback from my actors saying like, hey, are we doing okay at all? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's fine. I'm just pointing out the things that need to be fixed to make it perfect. But I'm skipping the four, I'm not four to one. I'm like nine to one negative to positive. And I think with kids, it's so easy to do that as well, because we just feel like, I think we feel that the default setting, especially in a house full of tweens, as I have, is, well, we're always just going to be griping at each other. So let's just get through it as fast as possible. We just did the morning routine at my house. And I think the idea of remembering connection, because I sometimes get into the default of it's going to be unpleasant, so let's just make it fast. So I'm just yelling and yelling and yelling at everybody. But sometimes it feels like work to add 
thread connection into what we're doing. So if you were saying to me, like, why should I add connection over like speed of just getting out everyone out the door and getting the job done? What's the value of connection? Well, again, I think the value of connection comes back to enjoying each other, right? Enjoying the ride. So we can get through the ride fast and frenzied, or we can get to the ride, you know, having those moments in time and those days that that are meaningful and, and creating memories and creating that, you know, positive regard and love for each other. The other thing I would add is, you know, it sounds simple, but, you know, do I have 10 minutes where I can just listen to you? I just want to hear what you have to say. I just want to hear how your day was. Just tell me, you know, and if we take that time, that builds so much in terms of connection. And there's a lot of positivity that happens when we do that. It seems so simple, but it is such a good reminder that I find that I kind of skip the part of like, oh, well, you don't have time for the touchy-feely stuff. We have to get to school. And it's like, if if you skip it too often, you're making the problem worse, I think. I think so. All right. I'm going to (laughs) try. We are talking to Dr. Tish Taylor, the author of the new book, Fostering Connection, and we'll be right back. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different Different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L U M E N dot M E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Let's talk about the who is showing up system. Can you describe it to us and talk a little bit about how it identifies behaviors in hopes that we can improve our response to them? 
Well, I think the who is showing up, I like to use that term or that question, if you will, because it's like, how am I presenting myself? You know, what are people perceiving? Because we often don't think about it that way. And so that's why I say who is showing up. And then it makes some of our behaviors very concrete, right? Like, oh, it's this. I am showing up like deflector or I am showing up like, you know, shoes. You know, how am I presenting and how are people experiencing me? And this is for both parent side and child side, correct? Oh, absolutely. It can be used for both. Now, I find with children that, you know, as they're developing, this is a concept they're developing, right? How are other people perceiving me? A young child doesn't quite understand that yet. But again, I use it as a teaching tool for children and even teens to start to think about that and understand that. How, you know, are people seeing fighter? Yes. And you've talked about, you've obviously written about ADHD and talking about ODD or kids on the spectrum or other diagnoses. The idea, I don't know, is this theory of mind, the idea that like I, someone is having an experience of me that is different than what I am trying to express. That's kind of, it's late developing or it can be a little bit underdeveloped. Is that correct? Absolutely. You especially see that on the ADHD continuum and the autism spectrum disorder continuum, for sure. So can you describe that a little bit? Because I have a child on the spectrum. I've, you know, read and thought about a lot, but I think it really helps to understand how that deficiency kind of plays out in kids perceiving their own behavior. Right. So there's some abstractness to theory of mind, right? There's some abstractness in understanding my feelings and thoughts are different than your feelings and thoughts. Or we may live in the same experience or situation and come through it uh, feeling differently about it or having experienced it different or even recalling the facts differently. And so that entire concept can be challenging. Actually, I do. I'm glad you brought that point up because I find myself doing that a lot when I'm working with kids and teens is helping them understand that. You know, like uh, Ben may have had different thoughts when you were on the playground and you got into an argument. What might Ben have thought? What do you think he thought about that? And then how do you think he felt about that? So I break it down. I think we have to get pretty concrete about it. I mean, children can learn it. Some kids may take a little longer, but I think they're not going to intuit it often. So I find that I have to break it down and teach it. Yeah. And I think the characters kind of help with that idea of you thought you were being this, but someone else saw this because I was talking earlier about kind of getting caught in definitions with kids. And I have kids who I constantly have the, you're speaking rudely. I'm not trying to speak rudely. And I, I, in the beginning, thought they were just kind of talking back. And now I think, I actually don't think they hear it the same way that I hear it. And I think, how does that play out in terms of disconnection? Like a kid who does not have a well-developed theory of mind, just in case we're using a term that people are not familiar with, and please stop me because you are the professional, is the ability, correct, to perceive that your impression of things is different than other people's? Is that a good definition of theory of mind? Yeah, I think you're on target. Yeah, And so in terms of like the conflicts that I'm getting in where I'm saying, 
this kid is being the disconnector, but I think maybe the kid is coming to me looking for connection, but we get kind of jammed up in that, in that communication space. So how do you suggest, like an anonymous parent, like perhaps myself, would deal with a situation like that? Is it important to get under it and say, this is you're perceiving this differently than me and have that conversation in that time? Or is it just for me to kind of drop my sword and say, this kid is having a hard time right now? Let me say this. So so I also have a a card that's called Healthy Tools. And that's where I break down those pieces. I break down pieces like tone of voice, using eye contact when you're listening, using, so I said a calm voice, using, you know, caring about what the other person is saying. So, you know, having your heart in it. So I try and break down those pieces which you can then refer back to. What I find myself doing is, oh, I understand, you know, sometimes we have to choose what we address in any one moment, right? Like, you know, (laughs) maybe just separating and calming down is the thing I want to address in this moment. You might in another moment or come back later to say, you know, the tone of voice I heard sounded like you were yelling at me or you were really mad at me. That's the tone of voice I heard. And then that's, you know, kind of two-way street. Here's what I experienced. It, maybe that's not what you thought you were doing. Then I allow the child or teen a chance to explain themselves or own it themselves, but get the feedback in a non-confrontational way or in a way that's not accusatory. That's right. And I think the wisdom of the book is giving names to everything so that in a con not that you'll never have the conflict but then in a calmer time you can say yes i saw this character coming out or when we're having a conversation and you're not looking at me and you're speaking in a tone of voice that it helps break down not you're rude and I don't like you, but here are where our interactions are going wrong. Right. And, and if you do have a kiddo, you know, on the ADHD continuum or the ASD continuum, autism spectrum disorder continuum, you almost have to step back and think they may not understand that. They really might not. And to think about those specific things that they really might need feedback on. Right. Very concrete. But if the feedback is, you're not looking at me when I talk to you, that makes me feel like you're not listening. That's very different feedback than, listen to me because you're rude. You're not listening. Because they might, I have a child who can listen very carefully while doing something else, and that is his preferred mode. But if I'm fighting about listening, we're not understanding each other at all. And let's talk about something that we haven't talked about, but I think it plays, unfortunately, an outsized role in connection, which is screens and the role of technology with kids. We are just reengaging in the screen battle at my house. We had, in the winter, really let it slip away. And we had kids who, my kids now have phones. And so they're just, it's in their hands. And every time I turn around and I'm trying to make dinner and I'm trying to say who wants what or who needs to do this, the first step of the process is prying them off their phones, which usually involves some level of battle, you know, hopefully not a screaming fight. But what are the roles of phones and general technology? And what are some of your strategies for combating the horror that is screens? It's a big question. Just so you know, I am a parent too. So yes, I honestly feel like we're plowing through new territory 
this generation. I really do. I think ultimately, I think we put devices in front of ourselves and children who are not yet, their brains not fully developed in a way to put something down that's so enticing. So I think there's that challenge. But I try and think of what is a very simple way. So a very simple way might be, you know, our rule is at dinner, no phones, right? No screens, no devices. And adults have to do it too, right? Because we're guilty too. Oh, this is the whole problem. We just said no screens in the morning before school because then they're distracted. We're running late. It's 10 times more screaming. And then we both sat down. My husband pulled out his phone out his phone because they were kids were up getting dressed. I said, remember, we said no screens in the morning. I just turned mine off because it's true. We do the same thing. The minute they're up getting dressed, we pull them out. There's got to be something on Twitter that's fascinating that we have to learn about. That's a bummer, Dr. Taylor. We have to actually model the behavior we want to see. I think that's what I've come to, right? Protect our sleep routine and getting to sleep. I love your example, of course, about getting ready in the morning so we're not distracted. And those times when you really do have to focus in those small times when you can make some connection. Yeah, because it it is, you're right, that we always used to, I mean, I think of family road trips from my own youth as a huge time of connection. And, you know, I mean, I can tell you the lyric of any musical between 1975 and 1990, because that's what we did in the car. We listened to musicals and it does bum me out. We try to do no screens in the car, but it is, it's, you can read all the excellent advice in the book and you can drill down and you can work hard on connection. But if there's a screen and often two screens between you and your child, I think it just makes, it makes it kind of impossible. So is the thing to do to set limits on screens? I guess that's where you have to start, right? I think so. And I think the device cannot even be in your reach. Yeah, we have a no screens upstairs policy, but then I bring mine into my room. But I'm trying. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Dr. Taylor, tell us where our audience can find your book and all about the work that you do. Well, you can find the book on Amazon.com. And so if you just Google Fostering Connection or my name, Tish Taylor, you will find it. You can also go to my website, tishtaylor.com, and you'll find everything on there. Events, you'll find publications. There's even a couple of videos you can watch, but you can find everything on my website, tishtaylor.com. Fantastic. We will link to all of those places in our show notes. And Dr. Taylor, thank you so much for talking to us today. Oh, thank you so much. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks. Well, hey there, busy mama. 
Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.